Welcome to another episode of In My Own Words. I'm your host, Corey Timms, and I'm excited to have in the studio with, with me today, my friend, my mentor, uh, Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives, Emmanuel Chris Welch. Speaker, thanks for joining. Oh, Corey, been looking forward to it, man. Happy to see you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to have you. Yeah. So before I get going into the meat of the interview, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell folks how we met. Yeah. Because we've, we have, I, I want to say now, almost a 20-year relationship, which oh. is crazy to think about. Has it been that long? It's been that long. Wow. <laughs> about like just yesterday. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those that don't know, I, like you, attended Proviso West High School. Yeah. And my junior year of high school, shout out to my mom, who's always a big advocate of, you know, going to college, but also getting certifications. Uh, during my junior year of high school, she really impressed upon me and my sister later on the importance of um, getting a certification in something that was tied to something that you wanted to do. And those who know me back then know that um, after watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I uh, wanted to be like Uncle Phil. So my goal was to become an attorney and then one day become a judge. <laughs> so um, she researched and found uh, that Triton College had an adult certification paralegal program. And so I spent the evenings of my junior year of high school in that program after convincing the, the professor that I was uh, uh, mature enough to be in the program. And so uh, during the day, I'd be a full time high school student and then Worked my part-time job and Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was working on my paralegal certification. And my after my senior year wrapped, um, I remember talking to my high school counselor, shout out to Miss Andrews, who told me, Corey, you know, the uh, president of the board is an attorney. You should reach out to him and see if he'll give you an internship or something. And so I researched you. I cold called you. Cold called. <laughs> <laughs> Introduced myself. And, you know, you gave me my first internship out of high school. And to this day, you were the best intern I ever had. <laughs> I gladly wear that title. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a fact. And so, I, you know, there's a couple of reasons why that's so instrumental in my life. Right. First, I think seeing a black man that was navigating, navigating his power in this arena that I wanted to be in was for me so inspiring to be able to see. And then also the fact that you, without knowing me, gave me an opportunity, which is something that has uh, been impressed upon me throughout the course of my life. So now I do that and I get, I pay that forward. And so I just wanted to say very publicly, I'm big on giving folks their flowers. Um, thank you for that. Like you, you jump-started, jump-started a career and um, a career in service for me. And I just want to say I really appreciate that. Well, you know, I'm proud of you every time I see you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you for the thank you. But uh, the biggest thanks is what I see you doing every day. Uh, just like a proud big brother. <laughs> and, uh, let me know if you want to be Uncle Phil. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do toy with it. Let me say. <laughs> so before we get going into the meat of the interview, my, my first question I, I, I have to ask, right? A couple of years ago was a huge, huge time for you. You yeah. were elected the first African-American speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives, which is a huge feat within itself, right? And um, I've seen you navigate that um, honestly so strategically, so well, being able to build coalitions, work across the aisle, um, and really advocate for your members um, in Springfield. 
And so as you think about your life and your legacy, um, what is what has that experience been like for you? And what does it feel like knowing that your legacy is now cemented in history and that so many people are looking at looking at you and you're serving as an example for what they can become? Well, I certainly feel like um, I'm enjoying the ride of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the best job I've ever had. Uh, and I don't even look at it as a job. Uh, it's definitely an opportunity, an opportunity that only so many people in this uh, uh, state's history have had the opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. I'm the 70th person to ever hold this job and the first person that looks like us. Yeah. Uh, and that historic Which has fact, a lot of weight in itself. That historic fact is not lost on me, mm -hmm. and so I think it's you know uh, it's awesome to be the first. It's awesome to have that go down in history and be in the books, and my kids can see that. Uh, but the most important thing will be the work we do, yeah. Uh, and that's what's been guiding me uh, from day one is the work that we do. I tell folks all the time. I tell our caucus all the time, we got to start with our why. Yeah. Why do we do what we do? Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we leave our kids and miss those inches that they grow during the week and, uh, you know, miss so many valuable moments in their lives? Why is this job so important to us that we would do that? And to me, it's all about helping people like you, uh, you know, touching people and changing lives. Uh, we do that every single day. We walk into that beautiful building. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's important to me is making sure that we help as many people as we can each and every day that we go to work. I love that. So before we get going into the meat of the interview, I like to do a lightning round of questions. So you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Isley Brothers or Earth, Wind & Fire? Oh, Earth, Wind & Fire. <laughs> okay. Jay-Z or Nas? Jay-Z. Okay. Favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie of all time would have to be um, Field of Dreams. Mm, I love that as well. Yeah. Best piece of advice anybody ever gave you? People may doubt what you say, but they believe what you do. Love that too. And last question is, what's a mantra that you live by? When us do the work. <laughs> I have heard you say that for years. <laughs> Winners do the work. That's the bottom line. Well, thank you for participating in, in my lightning round of questions. You really made it a lightning round. So yeah. some folks made it a little longer, let me say. Yeah. <laughs> so um, to start off the interview, I like to start every interview talking about upbringing. I yeah. think it's so um, important in shaping who we are and who we become. And you were born, actually, born and raised in the district that you represent. Um, born in Maywood. Tested and homegrown was my slogan. <laughs> <laughs> so you were born in Maywood and then your family moved to Bellwood. Um, and so talk I was actually born at Westlake Hospital in Wet Merrill's Park. Mm -hmm. And many folks will remember that I fought really hard uh, when the new owners closed that hospital. That you uh, did. You were on the front lines. Yeah, I was on that board for 10 years and it, pr it provided important health access to health care to a lot of black and brown people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was born there and I grew up in Maywood and moved to Bellwood when we were in, when I was in eighth grade. Yep. And so tell me about um, one, what does that Bellwood Maywood area mean to you and how did it shape you into who you become, who you well, become? I mean, that's home. And that's one of the many reasons why I've never left. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's really home. That's, that's who I am. Uh, that, that area has produced 
uh, a whole lot of Welches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, Proviso East, Proviso West, um, you know, that, that whole community is, is, is deeply ingrained in my family on both sides. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Shantae, uh, Judge Shantae, uh, Judge, you know, you grew up <laughs> in Hillside and uh, went to Proviso West. So both of us, uh, you know, are deeply rooted in our community with families all throughout Proviso Township. Uh, and so I think it's important, uh, number one, to be proud of where we're from, uh, represent where we're from, uh, and make sure that others that are coming behind us uh, know that uh, there's opportunities uh, ahead for them. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's move forward just a little bit. Yeah. So you went, graduated from Proviso West High School, as you said. So did I. Uh, shout out to the Panthers. Panthers. Go Panthers. <laughs> and then you went on to Northwestern University and earned your bachelor's in speech communications. Um, well, talk to us a little bit about what it was like transitioning to Northwestern. You're, you're coming from um, two, coming from two very African-American suburbs and now stepping on one of the best colleges in the country. Um, how was, how was that experience, the transition for you and how important was finding community while you were on campus? Let me say to this day, I think Northwestern was one of the best experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it opened my eyes in so many different ways and prepared me for the real world because in many ways, uh, the struggles that I went through in college prepared me for life. Mm -hmm. You're going to have struggles, uh, just getting into Northwestern. Uh, is a story in and of itself. I wasn't always a great test taker and wasn't always the, uh, you know, the, the, the top student in a class. And so uh, many folks would look at me and say, how'd you even get here? And, <laughs> you know, when I say my mantra is winners do the work, you do the work. Winners do the work. <laughs> and you end up in great places like Northwestern. Uh, but, you know, coming from where we come from, a predominantly black community and going to a predominantly white institution, uh, you know, you, you, you you're going to go through some experiences and yeah. I think those experiences really helped me, uh, into who I am today. Uh, I played baseball when I was at Northwestern. I think the experience with my teammates and coaches there, uh, gave me a different type of experience and, um, certainly dealing with the black, uh, uh, college students on campus was a different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that four years <laughs> was truly a whole whirlwind of experiences that I think really is really helping me in what I'm doing today as Speaker of the House. Very cool. I, I could imagine that it though that skill set is transferable. Like how you have to navigate relationships, stepping into that is very transferable to having to navigate relationships um, throughout Springfield because you are dealing with folks that are coming from completely different backgrounds, have completely different interests, and you have to be able to build those relationships in order to move anything forward. Relationships is everything. Absolutely. And, you know, you quickly learn that you got to sit with people, learn about them, their interests, teach them about you and why your views may be different. Um, the same thing I did in college is what I'm doing every day as speaker. Very cool. So many might be surprised to know that um, while you were at Northwestern and actually you you matriculated eventually into John Marshall Law School, which is now the UIC College of Law, um, you worked throughout that time as a weekend uh, assignment editor at WGN News, which 
most people would probably be surprised about. I, I, I myself was a little surprised too, but now that I, you know, see uh, see how you uh, navigate on on the mic, I can actually see it. <laughs> well, you know, my journey started actually, you know, my junior year at Northwestern yeah. when I uh, was no longer on the baseball team. Uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with my time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work on my grades, but uh, not having practices to go to, I was trying to figure out what to do with my time. Right. So I signed up to do a radio show at WNUR Radio. I was just doing sports, <laughs> the sports news. And one day I saw, as I'm leaving, there was a sign up saying, if you're interested in an internship at WGN TV Sports, come to this meeting. And the meeting was like an hour later. Yeah. So I stayed around, went to the meeting. And the producer of the show, uh, Harry Gold, uh, gave started the meeting by giving a quiz. The quiz was on Chicago sports. <laughs> who was the manager of the White Sox in 1983? And who was Mr. Cub? And <laughs> You know, and I'm looking around the room. I'm the only guy from Chicago in the room. So I aced the, the quiz. And right. I was, that's how you got offered an internship at WGN. So I did two internships in the sports department with Dan Rohn and Rich King. And it, I saw a job posting, weekend assignment editor, mm-hmm. uh, as my second internship was uh, finishing up. And I applied for it. And I got the job. You know, I, I, I worked. During the day, I went to law school that night. That, let me say that that in itself is impressive. To to hold down law school in itself is already impressive, but then to do be a weekend weekend edit, editor for WGN is also my my hat. Work, work, working with Bob Jordan and Jackie Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so um, let's let's fast forward a little bit. In two thousand one, you were elected to. Um, the uh, District 209 Board of Education. Mm-hmm. And you eventually became the chair and served as chair for 10 years until you assumed your role as a uh, um, representative, a state representative. And um, during that time, you were, you fought for one, the creation of the Provisional Math and Science Academy, the first uh, high, magnet high school in the suburbs, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome in itself. And so, what was that experience like? Had you always wanted to to pursue like education slash kind of community work or how did you kind of transition into into doing it? Well, I've always had a love of politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always had a love of politics. I've always had a love of law. So I feel like I'm living my best life. Um, but actually being an actual candidate was not something I ever believed would ever happen. I always wanted to be that person behind the scenes because I love strategy. I'm always reading. I'm always thinking. But when I bought my first house after graduating from college, after graduating from law school, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to live in Proviso. So I bought a house in Hillside. Was, what, the house wasn't too far from Proviso West. And they were going through strike after strike after strike. Yeah. Up until the most recent strike about a year ago. The last strike was over 20 years ago, right before I ran for the school board. And I was reading in the local papers, all the strife going on. And I was like, how do, how do I get involved in this board? Uh, did some research and uh, initially applied for a vacancy on the board and didn't get it. And I thought the treatment that I, I received from that school board, especially being a graduate of the district, yeah. I thought it was the, the worst possible treatment anyone can get. <laughs> really disrespectful in a way. I'm like, how do I get on this board the regular way? Right. So I <laughs> researched it and, you know, um, got petitions, knocked on doors, got signatures, and we filed a run for the school board. 
and I say we because a, a few of us got together and ran as a team. We called it a slate. Mm-hmm. And when we filed to run as a slate, filed our paperwork, got a receipt, and thought we were running for the school board. A week or so later, I got a letter from the school district saying that I turned my paperwork in late and they were not going to submit my name to the election authorities to be on the ballot. And I said, oh, yes, you will. I'll see you in court. So I sued Proviso in 2000. Wow. We went all the way to the appellate court. And that case is still precedent today, Welch versus the Proviso 209 Electoral Board. Mm -hmm. And it says, if you give take someone's paperwork and give them a receipt, you're open for business, mm-hmm. meaning the paperwork was turned in on time. And we got so much publicity out of that board trying to keep us off the ballot. Yeah. We won. And that started my political career. I never knew that story. <laughs> and it's still precedent today. How would you say that um – I guess that experience informed what you're doing now as a legislator. Well, one of the things when you start out like that, having to fight, you, 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 you go into something prepared, you know, it it prepared me. Proviso was brass knuckles. Uh, (laughs) And uh, when I first became a state representative in 2013, I I remember several times that first year or two people said, you're, you're only a freshman. You seem like you've been here before. (laughs) You know, Proviso is seizing you up real fast. Uh, and 12 years on the school board, 10 years as the chair, Yeah, it certainly prepared me. Nice. So in, in 2006, you ran for and were unsuccessful um, in your bid for state representative. And then fast forward seven years later, you run again and you win. And um, like so many other folks, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself during that moment, um, can I do this? Do I have the name ID? Can I raise the money? Um, all of the age-old questions, right? And so what, walk us through, one, the experience of deciding whether to actually throw your name in the hat and actually go for it. Um, what was the thought process like? Did you know that you always eventually wanted to run run for office? Was it the natural progression, or did it just did it seem like right opportunity, right time? Well, you know, I had just won re-election to the Proviso School Board, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in 2005. And I think I was the top vote-getter that year. So I, I let it go to my head uh, and I, I, I made probably the worst decision and the best decision. Mm-hmm. The worst decision being running against a sitting incumbent who was popular uh, because, you know, I thought a nonpartisan school board race would translate into winning in a, a partisan Democratic primary. And boy, did I learn real fast that it's, it's two different things because um, I got clocked in that 2006 election. Um, but. I do think it, it was the best because, you know, it, it taught me a lot. It taught me about fundraising. It taught me about messaging. It taught me, it helped get my name out yeah. to a different voter set than the school board population. Uh, and so when the incumbent uh, state rep decided to move to a, a different position seven years later, of all of the candidates that were floating their names out there, at some point I said, none of these folks could do the job better than me and none of them are better known than me. Um, and so I threw my name in the hat and initially it was five of us in that race and it ended up being four of us in the end. And I won that race. It was the closest race in the state, uh, that year, 36 votes, 36 votes. And how many times have we ever heard somebody say my vote doesn't matter? Absolutely. And I say, 
Look at me. And ten <laughs> and, and eight years later, I became the first black person to ever be Speaker of the House. <laughs> and ten years later, I got reelected mm-hmm. as the first black Speaker of the House. And so that wouldn't have happened if I didn't win that first election by 36 votes. Yeah. So that's actually the perfect segue into into my next question. 2021, you become the first black Speaker of the House. Um, and that was a huge process, right? It was very public. Um, and everybody was wondering who's, who's gonna, who's gonna assume the mantle. Um, walk me through what that process was like, because that, that's a huge honor in itself to step into that role, um, and really be the elected voice, uh, representing all of your colleagues, um, in Springfield, um, and be, and really kind of serving as that collective voice. Walk me through like the process of like, was it a call? Like, Hey, do you want to be speaker? Like what was, yeah. <laughs> what was well, that like? Now, now, you know, I never ever dreamed I would be speaker of the house. Yeah. I thought I'd be a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I love my law practice. Uh, I thought I'd play for the Chicago Cubs and, <laughs> you know, junior year of college that, you know, I pulled the plug on my baseball career, mm-hmm. uh, but never thought I'd be speaker of the house, um, you know, and uh, working with my colleagues the way I did over the years. Many of them started planting the seed in, in my mind even before it happened. Um, mm. And I told them, I said, you guys are crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no vacancy and I don't think there will be a vacancy. Uh, so I don't even want to think like that. Um, but when the vacancy did occur, uh, you know, I put my name in the ring and uh, I started with the Black Caucus. Uh, my first conversation with the Black Caucus didn't go too well. <laughs> well there goes that idea. Uh, but about 12 hours later, uh, uh, we regrouped and the Black Caucus decided to endorse me. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to the Latino Caucus. Uh, Latino Caucus uh, wanted to take some time to uh, think about it. And we got together the next morning and uh, I met with them and they endorsed me. So now I had the Black and Latino Caucus and my coalition was starting to build. Yeah. Because I only had 48 hours to do this from the time I put my name in the ring to the time uh, the vote for speaker was going to take place. A lot of people don't know that you only had 48 hours. 48 hours. And uh, went from the Black Caucus to the Latino Caucus to talk to uh, one of my colleagues in central Illinois. And, mm-hmm. and from there, uh, the rest is history. <laughs> when I threw my name in, in the ring officially on the first ballot, I got 50 votes. And the person closest had 15. Mm-hmm. Uh and he was holding out for a while, but eventually I went from 50 to 55, from 55 to 70. Yeah. The magic number was 60. <laughs> uh, it, it was really a, uh, a 48 hours that I'll never forget. Yeah. And now you've been reelected. And so um, I guess talk about what the transition now from state representative to speaker of the house, what, what has that been like? And, and what do you, what would you say you're most proud of um, during your, your tenure so far as speaker? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely a different role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still state representative of my district, uh, but I'm also speaker of the house. Mm-hmm. And although I'm elected by the Democrats, uh, the majority party, I'm speaker of the house. And as speaker of the house, I have to be mindful of the entire chamber. Yeah. Uh, we have to manage the entire chamber uh, for the good of the state. Right. And you're as speaker of the house. You're almost like the CEO of the chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in charge of all the personnel, you're in charge of making sure, you know, the trains stay on the tracks and we stay on calendar. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we meet and hit our deadlines. Yeah. Um, 
there's a lot to it that people don't know. Uh, so it's a very different role. It's also a constitutional position. Uh, one of the few positions in the in the state constitution specifically spelled out, uh, and so it, it brings those responsibilities along with it, and the the weight of it, um, you know. So I, I'm a, I'm an accessible speaker. I think that's extremely important. I'm inclusive and collaborative, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of folks are upset that they don't have the ability to just call me on a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and I try to explain to them, you know, there there is a lot of legalities involved for yeah. that. You know, yeah. um, you know, you want to minimize the the issues. Absolutely. How how do you prioritize that? Right. The the House of Representatives is a body of 118, and so that's 118 folks with 118 different sets of interests, and you're you're the elected representative. So how do you prioritize managing um, the needs of your members? but then also being able to serve your constituents and in, in your district as well. Well, let's be clear. I'm still state representative. Yep. I took two oaths of offices yep. um, both times. The first oath is as your state represent as state representative. And then after the state representatives elect a speaker from among them, I took a second oath as speaker mm-hmm. and you take both seriously. I still, I'm very active in the communities, very visible in the community. I do a lot of constituent services in my district uh, and being speaker, uh, has helped that because I'm even more visible. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who the Speaker of the House is. Um, but as Speaker, my audience is a little different than my my district. Yeah, It's the members. Mm-hmm. And so I prioritize my caucus first. Uh, I make sure they know that, you know, diversity is our strength as a caucus. Yeah. We are very much a reflection of what the state looks like. Mm-hmm. Diversity is the strength of this state. Diversity is the strength of our caucus. And our values are a little bit different than the other caucus. And so what I say to them is diversity is the strength of our caucus, but our power comes from our unity. And within our caucus is a bunch of different uh, sub caucuses. Mm-hmm. You want to say factions, but none of those factions can get anything done without the others. <laughs> so I remind them of that. Yeah, We got to work together if we're going to advance each other's collective agendas. Uh, now, my job as Speaker of the House is to also say, Republicans, where we find ha- common interests and common ground, I want to work with you. Yeah, I'm not going to say no to you just because you're a member of a different party. But if we have common interests and you're not uh, trying to be uh, an extremist and destructive, come to the table. Let's yeah. sit down. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you, you touched on it a little while ago about how hard you work. And I, I got to give you a shout out because anybody who follows your social media knows you're probably one of the hardest working elected officials out there. I'm like, this dude is always out, always in the community, always advocating for folks. I, I had to make sure I shouted you out because I'm always wondering, like, how does he find the time to do all of this? <laughs> a lot of coffee. <laughs> Caffeine. Winners do the work. Winners do the work. <laughs> so um, you are now one of the most influential, most most visible um, leaders in state government. And that's a huge feat in itself, but especially as a black man, right? And you're now setting this example for um, young black boys, young black girls um, as to what you can, what you can do and what you can become. Um, how does being a black man um, kind of inform or impact how you lead in, in, in the House of Representatives? I, I think it's at the core of everything I do. Yeah. I mean, wake up in the morning, I'm 
look in the mirror. I'm, I'm a black man every day. <laughs> uh, and you of all people, you know, when we're driving a car and we're police pull behind us, mm-hmm. we got to have our hands at 10 and 2. 10 and 2. We, we, we understand that from our, our, our life experience, why that's important. Yeah. But other folks don't necessarily understand that. And so when you're in a position like this and you're able to change and impact policy, uh, for me, it's important that equity and inclusion is at the root of everything we do mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we see that racism still exists in America today. Uh, and, you know, I can't be in a position like this where I can address that head on and do nothing about it uh, because I have an 11 year old son and a nine year old daughter that I want to leave this place better for them than how I found it. Absolutely. So when you, um, one of the things that we talk about in the show is defining moments, right? When you look back over your life and career, um, was there a defining moment for you that you would say that, um, had I, I wouldn't be where I am had I not gone through this. And, and for a lot of folks that, that may be multiple moments, but is there one standout moment for you? That's like, that was a defining moment that kind of set the pathway for who you are today and what you're doing. October 17th, 2010. Okay. The day I got married to Shante. <laughs> have you ever met my wife? <laughs> you know, I was doing all right. But then when I married her, I went to a whole other level. Leveled up. <laughs> you know, and if you understand that example, that's all right out of the Bible. When you find a wife, you find a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, truly, uh, you know, um, She's helped me go to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen the first thing. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to the next generation of leaders? You know, you have a lot of young people that um, think about uh, public service, maybe think about elected office. Um, and what advice would you give to this next generation of leaders that are, you know, kind of toying with the idea of, is it something that I want to do? Is it something I can do? Um, what advice would you give to them as they kind of navigate their future plans? Well, you know, kind of taken from some points I've already talked about. It was start with knowing your why. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you even want to be a leader? Yeah. Why do you, why do you want to get involved in that cause? Uh, you know, and if you're going to get involved and you know your why, you're going to do it for the right reason. Right. And when you do it, do it 100%. Don't do it halfway. Mm -hmm. That's why I say winners do the work. Because if you really are passionate and believe in what you're doing and you're putting in that work, you're going to always see the results. Uh, And so it always starts with knowing your why and putting in that work. Absolutely. And my last question is, um, who is Emmanuel Chris Welch in your own words? Uh, I know know this is kind of a deep question. Emmanuel Christopher (laughs) Welch is the... uh, Second son to Emmanuel and Willie Mae Welch, uh, the uh, uh, a kid from the woods, <laughs> Maywood and Bellwood. And uh, all I want to do, man, is leave this world better than how I found it. Well, you're absolutely doing that every day. And so I just wanted to publicly thank you for, one, being a leader that um, is leading with integrity, that is um, uniting um, th- this party. Um, and really working to advocate for communities, not only the communities in your district, but the communities across the city and the state. And so I want to publicly thank you for, for your work and your service. Oh, 
Thank you, my brother. And I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining. It's been an honor.